Welcome, Hudson Valley, to this week's edition of In Touch, the public affairs and issues program that runs across Town Square Media, the Hudson Valley radio stations. We got a jam-packed episode for you this week, so we're going to just jump right into it. With us this week from the Hudson Valley chapter of the Alzheimer's Association is their vice president of programs and services, Meg Boyce. We invite you to join us and listen to a previously recorded conversation between Meg Boyce and myself here on In Touch. Hello, Hudson Valley. You're listening to another episode of In Touch, our public affairs and issues program. And we got one very special, near and dear to my heart in particular. I'm your host, Connor Walsh. And today we are speaking with Vice President of Programs and Services with the Hudson Valley Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, Meg Boyce. Meg, how are you? I'm doing great, Connor. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy that this worked out. We were talking about this before, but it just kind of manifested itself that you're here today because Alzheimer's is something that's very important to me, and we'll get into that in a bit. I wanted to have something along those lines, right? and then immediately, you know, we get an email. It's like, hey, is there a way that we can get onto this? And it just worked perfectly time-wise for the walk that you guys have coming up. The universe was working in mysterious ways, yes. and it was great. And uh, since that is the thing that you guys have coming up, first and foremost, how about we talk about the walk a little bit? You guys have the Duchess Ulster Alzheimer's Walk coming up on October 15th? Yes? That's, that's correct. So our event takes place at the walkway over the Hudson. And again, it'll be on Saturday, October 15th. The event actually opens at 9 a.m. So registration opens at 9 uh, we have a wonderful opening ceremony, and then the walk will begin at 10 a.m. And it really is not only a fundraiser, but it's also an awareness raiser. It really brings people together for this cause, but also educates other individuals that were there and educates them about Alzheimer's disease. And of course, it happens rain or shine, mm-hmm. like any other walk. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that it'll be a beautiful fall, sunny day. And the walk is about a 5K. If anybody's ever walked over the walkway and mm-hmm. back, we do start on the Highland side and we walk over to the Poughkeepsie side and then back over. Fantastic. And the walkway is such a beautiful venue to be doing this, especially this time of year. Oh, my God, how gorgeous it's going to be looking over everything. Uh, In years past, what's uh, the attendance look like for a walk like this? Well, every year we hope to have it bigger. Of course, COVID kind of puts things on the back burner as far as in person. And we are actually continuing a hybrid version. So we will be there in person on the 15th. However, we know that there are still folks that are a little nervous about being uh, with a crowd. So there is a virtual component if somebody wants to walk where they are. So Mm. if they just want to walk in their neighborhood, um, there's an app they can download that will kind of guide them through their walk and, you know, kind of show them who our sponsors are and education component, you know, our care and support that we have available. Uh, One year, we were close to a 1,000. Fantastic. Um, And that was really, that was a phenomenal year. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll get probably six, seven, eight hundred people there. So what are a couple of the things that people can expect to enjoy at this event then? So we have all different types of tents. So we have a kid's tent where Mm. we'll have like coloring books and just some fun games. We have a caregiver tent. Their caregivers can get 
and a little neck massage, head massage. It's just a time for them to kind of take care of themselves. We have a care and support tent that will talk about all of our programs and services. We have our sponsor tent so that our our walkers can meet with the companies that are sponsoring our event. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually have our national sponsors are Edward Jones and CVS. So they will be there. Uh, Arch Care Center for Advanced Memory Care is our local sponsor in Rhinebeck. So if anybody wants to learn about long-term care or about insurance, they'll be able to have those questions answered. I am also what's called a research champion for the Alzheimer's Association. So there will be a research champion tent so that people can come up and ask me questions like, where are we in the latest research and get information about trial match and other kinds of programs that are available. We always have a great DJ. We always have music. People are dancing. We do a lot of decorating. Purple is our color. Mm -hmm. So everything is purple. Purple balloons. Everybody's wearing their purple walk shirts. If you raise $100, you get a walk shirt to wear the day of the event. So it really is a celebration, which I think is important uh, because it is such a difficult disease to handle. And I should really specify that even though we're the Alzheimer's Association, our funding supports all forms of dementia, not just Alzheimer's. And I think that's a really important thing that you said right there, that it covers all forms of dementia. And I think that is something that is misinterpreted in the public sometimes. Uh, They'll use Alzheimer's and dementia interchangeably when that's not necessarily the case. Could you uh, kind of go into a quick dive on that for us? Sure. The difference? Yes. So dementia is not a diagnosis. So dementia is a word for a set of symptoms, and those symptoms cause somebody's inability to get through their day-to-day activities. So we're all going to experience a certain level of memory loss. Just as our eyes and our ears change, as we age, our brains change. So there's age-associated memory loss, but those folks are still independent. But when it's some form of dementia, it impacts that person's ability to get through their day-to-day activities. So it's a word for a set of symptoms. And those symptoms really impact somebody's ability to remember important dates, information, how to get through their day. And then underneath this umbrella is several different forms of dementia. Alzheimer's disease is the most prevalent. That's 60 to 80 percent of dementias are Alzheimer's. But we're seeing more of the frontal temporal dementia, Lewy body. There's vascular dementia, which is the stroke related. Mm. Uh, There's a Lyme related dementia. There's an alcohol related dementia. There's a cancer related form of dementia. There's an AIDS related. I mean, it's there's over 70 different types of Mm. dementia. And as the Alzheimer's Association, we support families dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with. No, truly. And I find that really inspiring, the work that you guys are putting into all this, especially myself, the way it's impacted my family. Um, Both, uh, we talked about this earlier, both my grandparents have Alzheimer's. Uh, My grandfather passed away in February. My grandmother's still going through it. And it really is a tough thing. It's not something that I ever thought of prior. I've heard of people, you know, helping out family members prior. And it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds difficult. 
but gosh, when you're living through it and you see what it does to your family member, the person that you love, the person that cared for you at one point, yep. you know, the, these guys were practically our daycare for all the cousins, you yes. know, is so many good memories. And to see them in the States that they're now, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And it, what it's doing to my uncles, what it's doing to my mom, it's, it's been a really long road and really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Uh, you said how prevalent Alzheimer's is. On your website, it stated that over 6 million Americans live with Alzheimer's in 2022. Uh, for reference, that's triple the amount of people in the Hudson Valley right there. What are some of the things that the association can offer for those going through Alzheimer's right now? We help families dealing with the dementia even before they get the diagnosis. Mm, okay. So sometimes somebody will have a question about a loved one and not really sure where to go. Mm-hmm. Our very first line of contact usually is our 24-hour helpline. So we have a 24-hour helpline, and the number is 1-800-272-3900. And we have master level social workers, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because the Alzheimer's Association knows that caregiving is not Monday through Friday, nine to five. Caregivers need the most support at three o'clock in the morning when their loved one is getting out of bed and getting dressed and getting ready to go to work. And they're trying to keep them safe in the house and prevent them from leaving which is also a, a big issue, is, is wandering. Our helpline is one of the first lines that people reach out to us. And then from there, they can have what's called a care consultation. And all of our services are free for our constituents. The only things we charge for are our conferences. Mm-hmm. That's simply just to cover the cost of the conference. But Makes sense. Our care consultations, we have master level social workers or someone of a comparable degree who can sit down with the family and kind of do an assessment. You know, when was the person diagnosed? Were they diagnosed? What was the diagnosis? What are the current issues at hand? What could be happening down the road? And the care consultant helps that family develop a short term and a long term plan. And that care consultant also becomes a liaison. To the family, as the person progresses, they may email the care consultant or call and say, hey, this is what's going on now. How do we deal with this? And our, our home office, our national office, where our contact center is, is connected to our local care consultants. So that if it's after hours and somebody just worked with our care consultant, we have a database so that everybody knows what's going on. So now that family member calls at 11 o'clock at night and our contact center can pick up right where that care consultant left off and can say, hey, I see you met with our care consultant. This is what came up. You know, um, this is what your next steps can be. And then they can add notes. So we make it very seamless. And so these people get support as their loved one progresses through whatever form of dementia they have. You're listening to In Touch right now. We are sitting down with Meg Boyce, the Vice President of Programs and Services with the Hudson Valley Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. We've been talking about their upcoming Alzheimer's Walk along with the services that they offer uh, as an association and how they can help families out. Now, one thing that we talked about is it's not a nine-to-five kind of care that this is needed. This is an all-the-time thing. And seeing it with my own grandparents, 
it really is any time. Uh, my grandfather liked wandering out to the garage in particular mm-hmm. because that's where he used to work on his cars. And the garage was definitely not a safe place for him right. by any means. So right. we always had to be very careful with that. A few things that we noticed with him, of course, long-term memory faded. When those stories about the Navy were totally gone, That's you know that was a heartbreaking time. And But for anybody who's dealing with it now or for anybody who is in fear that a family member could be going through something like this, What are some things for families to look out for then? So we do have 10 warning signs Mm -hmm. that we encourage families to keep an eye on. Some of them are actually not memory loss related, and sometimes they're the first signs for symptoms families see. And that's why it's important we're talking about this. Yes. So it can be changes in mood and personality. Absolutely. So somebody who used to be very easygoing now is becoming easily agitated and upset. It's somebody who becomes isolated. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, the person knows that they're experiencing some kind of memory loss. So they don't want to put themselves in a position for their memory to be questioned. So somebody who used to be very outgoing, going to dinner parties, going and playing golf, now suddenly just wants to sit at home is also a a warning sign. Word finding is an issue. So not being able to find the right words or confusing words that might sound similar. Example, a client of ours was trying to say camera and instead she kept saying candle and she knew she was saying the wrong word. And it was like the the, the word camera was no longer in her vocabulary, but candle was, but she knew mm-hmm. it wasn't the right word. Uh, again, things that affect people's inability to get through their day to day activities You know, so they're not taking their medication, they're not bathing, you know, they're, they're just, their activities of daily living are being greatly impaired, um, you know, can also be a sign and also that short term memory loss. It it was incredible to see, well, I don't know if incredible is the right word, but fascinating to see what it was like with my grandparents in particular, my grandmother being one of the warmest people that I ever met unfortunately became more hostile as time went on with it. Some days are good, some days are bad, but it's challenging to see a woman, you know, who hugged you real close and put a towel over you as soon as you got out of the pool to yeah. be to be at this state. Yep. It's tough. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not all memory related, yep. that these things, because it is, from what I've seen, very behavioral. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about working with the families and all that. Caregivers play such a big role in all this. I don't think caregivers always get the credit they deserve with how much work and effort goes into this. You think about the person who's going through it. It's like, oh, God bless them. I'm so sorry for them. But I don't know. I feel like sometimes you don't think about the caregiver as mm-hmm. much. They're going through so much physical, emotional, and mental strain with all that. Can we talk about the caregiver side of things? Most definitely. I mean, caregiver stress is a big concern. Uh, When we do educational programs, because we also provide educational programs in the community to caregivers in the general community, one of the first things we talk about is the importance to be aware of how much stress you're under. And what happens to caregivers is they get so caught up in their caregiving role they forget about themselves. Yeah. And I don't have the statistic off the top of my head, but it's it's very sad to hear about the number of caregivers who actually die before the person they were caring for because 
they put off their own medical needs. Yeah. They put off their own doctor's appointments. And we always talk about when you're on a plane and they're going through the safety check and they always say when that oxygen mask drops, who do you put it on first? You got to put it on you first before you put it on the child or the person that needs assistance. Because if you're going to put it on the child and something happens to you, then you then you're both gone. Yeah. And so we talk about that with caregivers and that also comes up a lot in our support groups. Mm. We have we have caregiver support groups across our chapter territory. A lot of caregivers talk about how that was their lifeline. That's what saved them. There is a lot of discussion in those support groups about you need to stop and you need to take care of yourself yeah. because you're going to run yourself into the ground and you're not going to be any good. You can't care for this person if you're not feeling well or you're so overwhelmed that there's other issues that are coming up. So we are a big proponent of supporting the caregiver and also, you know, reminding the caregiver, sometimes you have to pat yourself on the back yeah. because the person you're caring for does not have the ability to say thank you, does not have the ability to give you a hug and say they appreciate everything you do. So sometimes caregivers have to kind of bolster themselves up in order to, to keep going. I'm so glad that you said that last part in particular where they're not the same person to give that thanks or appreciation yeah. because they're not at that stage anymore. I know with my mom, it, losing that sense of her parents, she, losing her parents and all that, she had a very difficult time not having that same connection with her, any, uh, with especially her mom anymore. Right. And I said to her, and I always tried to tell her, I was like, mom, that's not your mom necessarily anymore. Your mom would say thank you. Your mom would be right. giving you the hugs. But that disconnect yep. can be so dismantling. And uh, that's very tough. You talked about the support groups that you have, and you're always looking out for uh, the caregivers. Is there anything else that caregivers should be looking into through Alzheimer's Association? We, we know a majority of people with Alzheimer's disease and dementia live in the community, mm -hmm. about 70%. They're cared for by their loved ones. And they need to learn how to develop a support system if they don't have one for themselves. And also just to be so aware of those red flags of when you need to really take a step back. And that's what our care consultants do. That's what our support groups do. Our support group participants are very real with each other. And that's great. And when a caregiver is talking about, and this is unfortunate that this happens, you know, talking about they're getting to the point of shaking their loved one because they're so frustrated. Every single participant in that group will be like, that's a red flag that you need to stop and take care of yourself. You need help in the home. You need a break. There's a lot of different ways that caregivers can, can get that information and get that support. And that's also where we also come in is we have a grant. We give a respite grant to mm -hmm. families so that they can get that break and put it towards social model daycare or home care um, or even an overnight so that they can just walk away and get a breather. What are the best ways to look into that grant then? It would be to call the Alzheimer's Association. You call the 800 number mm -hmm. and they would ask to speak to um, one of the local care consultants about our time away program. And the other wonderful thing that we just started doing because we cover such a broad area and some of our areas are very rural. 
we actually have what's now called an options program with our respite grant so that family members can actually get paid to provide the care because we have a lot of areas there aren't any home health aides. That's a whole it's a whole other category topic to cover because that's also a big struggle in our in our country alone is just there's such a lack of of home health aides and support and then we have these folks that are looking for this type of care and they can't they can't get it. Again, this is In Touch, and we are talking with Meg Boyce, the Vice President of Programs and Services with the Hudson Valley Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. We've been really diving in on what it does to the person with Alzheimer's, along with the caregivers who are helping out, whether it be friends, family, or anybody. It's really impactful, uh, everything that you guys are doing and how you're helping out everyone and especially how you're helping out and really excited for this topic. You said you're a research champion, and I'm seeing the smile on your face. You're excited, too, to get into I'm it. I'm so excited. We, we were mentioning before getting on the microphone that there's a lot of really positive things that are happening right now, some breakthroughs that could be really beneficial moving forward in yes. the future. So yeah. please just go right <laughs> into it. Uh, so I was, I had the, the, the fortunate ability to attend. It's called the Alzheimer's Association International Conference. It happens every year. This year it was in San Diego and it is the largest conference, the only conference in the world that brings together the top researchers from all around the world. And it, it's amazing that I think there was over 49 countries were uh, represented at AAIC. And this is the time when a lot of wonderful news is shared about what's going on in research. And this truly is such an exciting time. And so when I was given this opportunity to become a research champion, I was like, this is, it's it's a momentous occasion. Um, like I told you earlier, I've been here 22 and a half years with the association and we have come such a long way. I mean, it's just unbelievable looking at a lot of different variations in research. You know, I'll touch first on something that came out in the media last week, and that was Azi and Biogen have another infusion therapy. Um, I'm sure everybody remembers when Aduhelm came out in the spring, and it was very controversial. Uh, Lecanemab is in the same category as Aduhelm, but has had amazing results. And so there were over 1,700 people in this research study. It was a, a phase three trial. Those that were given the infusion after 18 months, they were given a cognitive test, same cognitive test they were given before, and 27% of them had no cognitive change at all. So they were still independent after over a year, almost a year and a half, being on lecanemab. And so we're hoping um, it's supposed to be going to the FDA for approval on or around January 6th, 2023. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. I think what's also exciting about this, this medication is they're now moving on to another trial where they're going to look at the potential for this medication to actually almost prevent the disease mm. from happening to some extent. So what this medication does is it slows the progression of the disease, which is a first. 
all the medications we have right now on the market just keep the symptoms at bay, but the disease is still progressing. But lecanemab is more of a solid. It's a second generation from Adjahelm. It is showing such, you know, such true promise that they are now starting a study where they're looking at folks because the hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease happen in our brains 20 to 30 years before the symptoms show. So you and I, we could actually have plaque already building up in our brains and we don't even know it. So they're going to do a study where they're going to be tracking individuals. They're going to have a scan at the beginning. They're going to put them on the lecanemab and they're going to see if this actually prevents any further plaque buildup to the point where maybe that person may never get to the point of developing Alzheimer's. Wow. And that's really exciting. The other component of research that also has been really exciting is what we call modifiable risk factors. So what can we do in our life today that's going to prevent or may prevent us from developing the disease? So we have what's called the U.S. Pointer Study. And the U.S. Pointer Study looked at sleep, exercise, diet, social balance in life, mood, and a couple of other things. It really showed that if we exercise, and it doesn't have to be strenuous, it could even be stretching. Yeah. Just stretching exercises are just as beneficial. That we're eating clean. We're eating a Mediterranean. There's a Mediterranean diet. There's the DASH diet. There's another um, diet called the MIND diet, which is a combination of the two. Mm. Also keeping the brain very active. Along with that was there was a research study shown about junk food, ultra processed foods. Oh, I'm sure. Folks that eat, I think it was like 20, even 20% of your diet. If it's from ultra processed foods, you're putting yourself at a higher risk of developing Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. Something that I've learned myself uh, in the last two years, I've been really focusing on diet and health and so much of mind, mood, motivation, all that really stems from the gut before the brain. I just want people to know that not only are we looking at medications, yeah. but we're also looking at modifiable risk factors yeah. that could also change the trajectory of what your potential is for de developing the disease. No, that's incredible. I, it really does go to show you how important your day-to-day -day habits and routines yes. and lifestyles can make a difference. I could go on and on <laughs> forever about this, and I'm sure you so could, could as well. <laughs> I think this just means we need to have you on for another episode sometime, would which would to. be fantastic. Meg, thank you so much for everything today. Uh, before we wrap up, is there any last-second thing that you want to share with our listeners, anything about the event, anything about research? Just I hope folks can join us Saturday, October 15th at the walkway over the Hudson on the Highland side. It's not too late to register. You can register at duchessulsterwalk.org. We would love to see you there. You can also register if you don't have time ahead of time. You can register at the event. And again, we'll have a lot of wonderful booths so that people can learn more information. And I will be there. I will be in the research champion tent. So come hang out with me and ask me more questions about research. And also don't forget our 800 number. I think that's also key. 1-800-272-3900 for any form of dementia or even if somebody's not been diagnosed Please connect with us so that we can support you from the beginning of your journey. 
Incredible. Meg, you've been a fantastic guest here on In Touch. We would love to have you again. Uh, thank you for everything that you shared with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been this week's edition of In Touch, the public affairs and issues program that runs across Town Square Media, the Hudson Valley radio stations. We want to give a big thank you to Meg Boyce from the Hudson Valley chapter of the Alzheimer's Association for taking the time to speak with us. In Touch is a weekly program, and we invite you or your organization to be a guest on the show. Please contact us if you have an issue or concern you'd like us to look into, or if you'd like to be a guest on In Touch. You can hit us up in a variety of ways. You can call us on the main office line at 845-471-1500. You can also call direct at 845-478-1022. You can even reach us through the radio station you're listening on by using the text studio feature on their mobile app or contact information at the website. Please put in the subject that you're trying to reach out to and touch. A couple of weeks ago, we talked with the American Cancer Society, and I'm proud to announce that I am a Real Men Wear Pink ambassador. Throughout the month of October, campaign ambassadors across the nation are stepping up and using the power of wearing pink to raise funds and draw attention to the breast cancer fight. You can follow my journey and find information on how to support my campaign under the In Touch tag on the app and site of whichever Town Square media station you're listening on. I've been your host, Connor Walsh. Until next time, stay curious. Keep an open mind. And as always, I'm glad we get to spend some time.